You are now listening to the London International Christian Church Podcast. Obviously, we're all tired from work and all of that, but I pray that as we had a great welcome from MJ and a great Amen. prayer, announcements, and benevolence, we have our hearts ready Amen. to really listen to um, God's message tonight. Yeah. Uh, I'm really, really excited and really honored to be sharing uh, tonight with you women. Mm-hmm. And it's quite funny because um, sometimes you can, God can call you to share because you have an uh, excellent um, example in some area, which my sister Maria will talk about, evangelism. And then you can have God also call you to do a lesson that it's for yourself. So I think definitely um, I've been praying a lot this year for God to really uh, remove strongholds. Uh, in my mind, in my heart, and just really want to be a woman that is consistent in my faith. Um, yeah, right from the inside, the inner part of myself, and to really become everything that um, God has designed me and create each one of us to become. And I think um, when MJ called me on Monday to say I'm going to be sharing on greed, and I'm like, oh God. <laughs> I know God, he's like really, really um, putting this message on Eileen and uh, MJ's heart for some reason to pick me to speak about greed because um, there's a need, oh, this, this book is really, really open uh, my, my mind towards yeah. this subject. So again, this is, uh, we're going to do uh, obviously chapter three from this book. It says, Money is the Answer for Everything. Yeah. It's a book from our dear brother in Australia, Joe Willis. Yeah. And it's such a great book because he talks about a lot of practicals. It's very easy to understand. Yeah. He talks about his life is very relevant. And it's yeah. someone that is just like us. Yeah. And I think uh, if you don't have this book, uh, I really urge you to, to read it. Uh, especially if you struggle with greed. Um, or you want to know what actually greed is. Really, just uh, take from one, someone, even for myself. Just make a copy of it. Just make sure that you don't leave tonight. Give Satan the opportunity to steal this message from your heart. But really, just um, examine yourself and find. Ask myself because this is one of the things that I pray about. For God to really reveal um, greed in my own heart, Uh, and that was like from Monday till today. And God has revealed so much. And I'm actually shaking about the things that God will reveal to you when you just really genuinely pray to Him and ask Him to reveal to you areas of your life that you have to, um, have to change and overcome. So obviously the, the chapter 3 of this book is called Dealing with Greed, Need, Verse 1. So sisters, um, raise your hand if you struggle with greed. Yeah, that's... <laughs> so, Okay, well, half, half of the people have raised their hands up. So I'm hoping that afterwards everyone will raise their hands up. Yeah? Uh, so what comes to mind when uh, we talk about greed? And this is especially a, a question for the ones that did not raise up their hands. When you think about greed, what comes to mind? Sorry? Ice cream? 
Ice cream, yeah. So food, yeah. What else comes to mind, sister? We're in family. Huh? Time, yes, yes. Clothes. Overindulgence, yeah. What else? We're all women, so there's a lot that we do. Yeah? What about money? Yes. Money. Pursuing money and wealth, right? All right, so obviously this book talks about all of that. It's going to really deal with that. So let's just start with the first one. It says, what is greed? I mean, probably you know, ones that did not raise their hands, or even myself. I wanted to know what it actually means. But it says here that greed is a strong or intense and selfish desire to have more of something. All right? So a strong, intense, a strong can be intense, and selfish Taking about self, desire to have more of something. Most often, money, wealth, food, or power. Right? Greed, like all sin, is deceitful. Right? And, you know, we don't even know that we struggle with, with greed. And I'm one of you, because Monday, I didn't really, oh, maybe a mild little bit, but I didn't really think much about greed. Um, so we live because why? Because we live in a society that permits greed, allows yes. greed, yeah. right? We compare ourselves with one another. You know, if I'm size ten or size twelve, and I have a sister size fourteen, sixteen, I'm all right. Yeah. Comparing myself with them because you know, we, or if if I'm we were similar in weight, we compare ourselves with one another, and that's where we yeah. think like, oh, I'm okay, I'm fine. Um, we compare ourselves with positions, money, how much money we earn. We compare one another, how we look, our hair, how much we put into it, makeup, all these things. You know, we compare ourselves with one another. And I said because the world permits it, because even now in the UK, if you are overweight, they're changing it. And maybe MJ can, can verify for that. They're changing it to make it a disease. Wow. instead of calling it greed for what it is. Wow. Obviously, there are situations yeah. when there are people mm-hmm. that they have low, um, I don't know, tolerant, or they have some, some other, yeah, they have other situation health-wise yeah. that makes them overweight. But we're not talking about that percentage. Yeah. That percentage is very low. Yeah. The majority yeah. of us are overweight is because of greed. Yeah. All right? And it's good for us when we are in the world that we see these things, that we not be deceived by it. Like, oh, yeah, I mean, I'm overweight oh, because I must be sick. Yeah. No, the Bible talks about greed. Jesus talks about greed. Mm-hmm. And we're going to look at some of the scriptures today. Even Joe had a book on it. He has a whole chapter on it. Oh. And there's a lot in it that we can cover. Amen. All right. So it says here, obviously, that um, greed is deceitful. Mm-hmm. And greed can be masked by our inability to financially buying possession. Or even mask himself, you know, I can eat and then you can see that in my physical that I'm gaining weight. Oh yeah, this is a sign of greed. So you know the sinful nature is obvious. But you can have another sister among us that eats all the time and eats a lot. But her metabolism is very high. So you won't be able to see greed in her physical body. But one thing I want to stress tonight, and this really convicts me, 
that God sees everything. Yeah. In Hebrews chapter 4, I believe it says that nothing is hidden in God's sight. Yes. Everything is laid bare before his eyes. And at the end, he's the one that judges us. Yeah. We can see one another and we can counsel each other. Say, I think you gained some weight. You know, what is going on? We can help you with that or encourage you to really lose weight and all that stuff. But again, you can be someone as well that indulges a lot in food that God sees. It's not evidence to us, but God sees it. Right? Again, greed is everything that is a strong and intense and selfish desire to have more of something. More food, more wealth, more money, more possession, more things. That's a sign of greed. Yeah. Right, so let's see how God views greed. Because this is not about me. Mm-hmm. And this, right. this is not about Joe. This is how yeah. God <laughs> views greed. Come on, Tony. Oh, right, so we can read, uh, turn with me in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 3 to 6. Oh, All right? Come on, Denise. Yeah, and amen if you guys are there. Mm-hmm. Ephesians chapter 5, verse uh, 3 to 6. Amen. It says, But among you, Sisters must be even, be not be even a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or of greed, because they are improper for God's holy people. Nor should they be obscenity, foolish talk, or coerced joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure. That's a warning. No immoral, impure, or greedy person. Again comes the word greed. It's repeated again. Such a person is an idolater. Uh, has any inheritance in the kingdom of God and of and the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. This is a power scripture that talks about. It starts... Very strong. Is that not even a hint? Yeah. When you think about hint, what do you think about? A lot? Just tiny, 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 like not even a hint. So what is God is saying to us when it comes to greed? He talks about no greed at all. Yeah. He puts greed at the same level as immorality, yeah. which we know is having a sexual relationship with someone who's not your husband. And it talks about impurity. So it puts it at the same level of impure thoughts, uh, you know, all these sins that we talk about that comes with impurity. God puts it at the same level. When I saw this today, I was like, wow, greed is very serious. And greed has serious consequences because the scripture keeps saying that if we indulge in greed, God says it's improper for his people. It's not a proper behavior for us to indulge in greed. Right? There is something that we got to get rid of in, in our life. I think it's easy for us to get rid of immorality and impure thoughts. But greed, and even for myself, is this greed, Lord? It is. Right? So we got to get rid of it. And again, I'm preaching to myself this message. It's not only for you, because this has really convicted my heart. And I know the only way I'm going to get rid of this is if I pray and if I'm open about it. And Satan doesn't have a foothold or stronghold against me anymore in this area. Right? It says then, then it goes down and says, we need to have a heart of thanksgiving. So when you see greed, greed is the heart of someone that is not content. 
Right? Remember what it says? It says greed is a strong, intense, and selfish desire to have more of something. So that means that you're not satisfied. And you can never satisfy greed. It will always go bigger and bigger and bigger. Right? But God says rather have thanksgiving. Be grateful for who you are in Christ, sisters. Be grateful for what you earn. Be grateful for what God is giving you, your body shape, whatever you've, you've got. Just be happy with it. Be happy with the meal that God has given you in a day. You don't have to have more and more and more. Right? And definitely not compare yourself with someone else. And then it says as well, um, and then it's, it says, for this is, um, you can be sure as a warning, is that no greedy person such a sister is an idolater. And we know that God smashes down idols. Yes. Anything that we put above God, God smashes wow. down. Yep. Because God wants to be the number one priority in our lives. Yep. And if greed is in there, it stops God from being the number one. Because we stop worshiping God, we worship possession. We worship what we wear, we worship what we have. And we worship uh, what we eat, the food that we've got. And then it says, if you will not inherit the kingdom of God. This is scary, sister. If we do not get rid of greed, we are at the risk of losing our salvation, losing our relationship with God. And that's the whole purpose of being a Christian, is to inherit the kingdom of God. Isn't it? That's why we're all here. Otherwise, we would stay in the world. We became disciples. We separate ourselves from the world because we want to be God's holy people, God's holy women that walks in reverence with him. Because tomorrow, we want to have fellowship with him. So why would we not consider getting rid of greed if that will be a stumbling block for us to reach eternal life with God? Right? Um... So I really love this scripture a lot. It really gives a lot of great um, breakdowns into it. I really suggest you really study it out a little bit more mm-hmm. deeper. As I mentioned before, don't leave today believing, oh, I don't struggle with greed, it's fine. Don't let Satan deceive you. This, mm-hmm. Satan is the only one that can deceive us. God always tells us the truth. Right. And his truth is in his word. Yes. Right? But Satan can tell us, no, you're fine, you're okay. This lady's crazy. Joy's exaggerating and whatever love you're living in. It's fine. Do not be deceived by Satan. This greed causes anger in God's heart. Right? God is very angry when we indulge in greed. This is how serious it is. It says that uh, even God says he's so angry about it that he has a scripture that says you need to put this to death. So it's not like, oh, you know, maybe think about it, pray about it. It says, no, put it to death. Colossians chapter 3, verse 5 to 6. You can write it down. Colossians chapter 3, verse 5 to 6. says, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed. Again, greed is mentioned with sexual sin. So this is how you should see greed as a very strong sin in the eyes of God. Obviously we know that every sin is sin, but there is a reason why it's up there with this group of sins. Yeah. Wow. So, which is idolatry again. Before, I said, because of these, the wrath of God is coming. So God's judgment will be on us if we do not get rid um, of greed. Yeah. 
So I think uh, Joe, I think this book is amazing. Joe just gives just great practicals um, as well. I'm going to share them later on. But um, there, obviously, there's all kind of read. We talk about it, right? Uh, but I'm going to just uh, focus on three of them uh, tonight. The greed of possession. We talk about that already. Uh, the greed of possession. And there's a greed of money. We all know about that. And the last one is the greed of food and pleasure. Right? So the greed of possession... Um, when we talk about that, what comes to your mind? What do you think God is talking about here? Because I want it to be more interactive. I don't want it to be talking all the time. I want to hear what you guys think. We're talking about possession. What do you think? Sorry? Material things. Exactly. Shopping. It could be anything. Clothes. Anything. Gadgets. Phone. iPad. Anything that we've got. Maybe we have four watches, you know, stuff like that. Oh, we've got two houses. Who has two houses? I need one. <laughs> you know, so things like that. Everything that was possession, God is talking about greed in possession. So let's read First uh, John chapter 2, verse 15 and 17. Right? And let's see what God talks about uh, possessions here. Uh, God is saying here in First John chapter 2, verse 15 and 17, said, Sister, do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in her. For everything in the world, the cravings of sinful man, the lust of his eyes, and the boasting of what he has and does comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desire pass away. But the woman... Who does the will of God lives forever. Amen. Right? So this is another powerful scripture that Jesus is talking about. He obviously John is the one that writes it here. It tells us that we do not need to love the world. Right? We need to love the things of God. And I know for myself this is very difficult because we live in the world. We are part of the world, right? And we see things as, again, we compare ourselves with the world. We compare ourselves with our co-workers, with our families. Yeah. We compare ourselves even with disciples. We yeah. compare ourselves. That's natural. We can see. We can touch it. But then it says, do not love the things of the world. I don't think God is saying do not have things of the world. But it says do not love them. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And the yeah. way you can see that you do not love something... The way you can measure that is that if, let's say, um, Vienna will come here tonight and say, I need three women to join me to go to Amsterdam mission team. How quick would you be able to make that decision? You know? Are you someone that can just pack up your bag, get your ticket and you're ready to go, or you have commitment that ties you down? You've got mortgages, you've got, you know, a lot of stuff that you have to pay, you have a car, you know, you, you got closet full of stuff that you can't just pick one suitcase because you will leave so much stuff behind. And I think this is where it comes, it comes actually to this, because if you, we don't have these things, we will be ready to move. Yeah, I'm ready to go. But these things tie us down. And yeah. sisters, I can talk about this because I got stuff. <laughs> I got stuff. Don't only look at Natasha. I got stuff. You know, I got stuff in my closet. I got stuff in my head. You know, I want to buy a house. I have a lot of these things. And I, when I was reading this book, I was like, 
gosh, God is really just saying, that's not where I wanted to go. Well, you could buy your house. Was I had a house before and I sold it. But God is like, you got to make sure that you do not love these things this yeah. second time around. Yeah. And this is where I see my sin because... Before I got married, moved to London, I gave up everything for God. You know, I gave up my house, I gave up my car, my family, culture, moved to Chile to be part of a mission team there to build a church, be self-supported for two years. There's a lot of money that I spent into that. And my dream was to have my own business. All that money went into that. And then when I moved to London, I had to sell my house because I wasn't working. I was not planning to go back, obviously, home back to Curacao. Mm-hmm. So I had to sell my house and use that house for us to live on. Mm-hmm. So every wealth, everything that I've, I've accumulated is gone. Mm-hmm. And we've been living, I mean, we're, I mean, I'm very grateful. God has given me beyond anything that I can ask or imagine. I have an incredible husband. I have two beautiful yeah. children. Yes. I have an incredible city to live in. Yeah. A lot of people want to live in London. You say you live in London. Yeah. London? Yeah. Everyone wants to live in London. Yeah. And I have a, such true. an amazing church yeah. that, we, that we have. So, at, in a heartbeat. Yeah. But the second time around now, yeah. now it's going to come. Mm-hmm. I'm turning 50. Mm-hmm. In two years. turn 50 and that is where the overwhelming comes like pension do I need to get pension do I need to get uh, do I need to have a house the kids education and you get yourself stuck in this thing and this has been on my heart so I was I was convicted with God really showed me through Joe's book that I should not love the things of the world you know that I should really trust in God with all of my heart because God will take care of us and I'm the type of person because I'm a very um, driven person I really go after things in life I can wander in going after pursue career pursue businesses because I want to acquire a good life for myself but these things will tie you down because if I have to go to a mission team I have to think okay what am I going to do with this business can I take it with me so if you have, if you want to have a business, make a business that you can take with you and your luggage. <laughs> Don't be like I'm telling you not to have your business. Have a business that you can take with you. Have a business that you can work and run itself without you being there because you need it in the kingdom of God. Right? So really, this is not about you know torpedoing your your dreams. It's about giving you vision about if your business is gonna tie you down, if your career is gonna tie you down, you gotta. Change. Yep. Yep. Alright, so enough on the possession part. <laughs> yeah. Let's move on to the greed yeah. in money. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Who loves money? <laughs> well, you see? That's, yeah. I think we can all, because money gives us freedom. Yes. God, yeah. money allows us to do a lot of things. Right? God, money allows us to give. Right. To give to yeah. the church, yes. to give the Netherlands. It gives us the opportunity to give to each other. You can go at someone's birthday, you can go out and celebrate. Yeah. It allows you to buy gifts. Yeah. It's allowing you to do a lot of things. But it's a false security that yeah. money brings with it yeah. as well. Yeah. 
And I think if we read the scripture that really cuts my heart, because I know Joe has a lot of scripture that he talks about money, but the one that really cuts my heart was Hebrews 13, verse 5 and 6. And let's read that. Come on, Sue. It says, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5 and 6. It says, Keep your life, Denise, free from the love of money, and be content with what you have. Amen. Because God says, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? Wow, amen. I love this scripture because God is saying to you, uh, keep yourself from the love of money. He said, it doesn't say you keep yourself from money. He said, keep yourself from the love of money. Yes. So remove your heart from your money. Yeah. If you're someone that has money, if you get a good income and then they tell you to give more than 10% of that money, you're willing to give it, you're fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But not a lot of us can do that. Mm-hmm. Right? If you're that person, go for it. Mm-hmm. If you're able to sell your house, anything to sustain yourself or to give to others, like we know in the book of Acts, we've got the community there that sell their possession and money yeah. to few other people, all the disciples' life. It wasn't even yeah. given to the church. It was to help one another. Yeah. So if you have that heart behind it, go for it. But I love what the scripture says. It says here, Jesus saying, don't love money, but then it gives you a promise with it. Yeah. It says, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. This is powerful, women. Mm-hmm. God is saying, I will be with you, no matter what. You don't need money to feel secure or to have a, a stature yeah. you don't need it God said you only need me I'll be yeah. with you and I will Amen. never forsake you and it says so we say with confidence sister the Lord is my helper mm-hmm. and I said do not be afraid so what can mere mortals do to you mm-hmm. so I really really love this and I really want to encourage you women to really just think about money a different way than we usually think about. Obviously, yes, money helps us to do a lot of things, but if, if you have money and you want to keep it, then this greed for money in your heart. Yes. And we know that we call the church to raise their, their weekly giving, and it's been very painful for us as well, as, as a family. Mm. But even though it is painful, we want to walk in obedience to God, and knowing that God says with confidence, He is our helper. And He will never leave you, He will never forsake you. So if you have not yet increased your your giving, don't let it only be a burden for a few. You're also part of the church. You want to be when God gives blessing, you want to receive blessing. Yeah. Yeah. So give. Give. Then when the blessing comes, you're not dis- disqualified to receive mm-hmm. God's blessing. Yeah. Walk in faith when it comes to money. Yeah. Come on. And it says also, I love Ephesians 5. Also reminds us, it says that um, we are to look to God. Ephesians 5, verse 5. That we are to look to God for Him to meet our needs and lean to be happy with what He has given us. Yeah. Yeah. All right, just to be lean more on God mm-hmm. when it comes Amen. to money. So greed in food and pleasure. Okay. All right, this is big one. This is a big one yeah. for me as well. Yeah. All these points are covered today. The greed with possession. I've got that. Greed with money. I've got that. I'm a pretty much generous giver. I give money in a heartbeat. I don't have any issues with that. But I can be a good spender. Yeah. I can spend oh, money. Oh, I can spend money. And I've really, really seen that. 
I've really seen that all yeah. and I we, we did our budget and it really helped me to see like wow I'm actually spending more than I need yeah. and even now before before um, I had this charge I decided you know, remember we were talking with you and all this stuff and I decided I'm not gonna buy food for lunch anymore so this is how I spend money yeah. I buy food, five pounds, Leon, five pounds, six pounds. Then I got a drink at Boots. Then I come to midweek, I have something to eat at Pret. You know, then I come here and I will see that in a day I can spend about 15 pounds. Yeah. So count that weekly and count that monthly. Yeah. So we had a really just a sober conversation about our budgeting and how much I overspend mm-hmm. over my budget. And I'm like, wow, well, I was, wasn't happy with that conversation, but then I made decisions because I want to be excellent for God. Come on. So just simple things. And I think this is the, just even tonight, if you don't agree with everything that I say, just find the heart of what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Find for yourself, yeah. where can I spend less yeah. so I can honor God more? Yeah. Now I make my dinner in the evening, I take my lunch to work. I think it's for the second week now, I have not bought nothing from Monday to Friday. And it's amazing, it's amazing. So really try, you will see how much money you will save. And you can give that, you can put it aside and give that for your weekly contribution. So you can increase. Come on. Right? Okay, so then the greed in food and, and pleasure. Um, the scripture that I love a lot, even though has a lot of scriptures as well, and that it obviously says that our body is a temple of God, yeah. and all of these things, which is a powerful scripture. Yeah. I love particularly the scripture in Second Corinthians chapter seven, mm-hmm. um, verse one, that says. So Second Corinthians chapter seven, verse one. Come on, sis. It says, "Therefore, since we have these promises, sisters, let us purify our, ourselves from everything that contaminates the body." and spirit. Mm-hmm. Two things, your body and your spirit. Mm-hmm. It says perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. Mm-hmm. The reason why I love this scripture is that you need to get rid of everything that contaminates you. Yeah. If we indulge in too many foods, we contaminate our body. Wow. You can see it straight on. You're putting on weight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're putting on weight. And then not only that, your body, your, everything needs to work harder and harder and harder to pump blood and insulin and whatever area needs to go to keep up with your body. Yeah. So you're breaking down the one thing that God has given you, the temple of the Lord. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And then it says, everything that contaminates the spirit. Mm. Right? Wow. Everything that is not in line with the word of God. Yeah. Romans chapter 5, I believe, said we need to be in the spirit. Whatever we, if we are living in the, in the spirit, we will do the things of the spirit. If we live in the flesh, which is eating, we will do the things of the flesh. So we got to get rid of everything. Just have an inventory of things for yourself that you are doing that is contaminating your body. You know, or things that are contaminating your spirit. It can be gossip. It could be impure thoughts for your spirit. It really messes you up. It really messes you up when you have negative thoughts in your mind. Or if someone is talking about something, they'd be like, I don't believe in that. That's contaminating your spirit because you're not in line with the Word of God. Yeah. You have to remove me and look at the Word of God. What does God is saying? If you're a woman of God, the Word of God should produce reverence in your heart yeah. to change. Yeah. Not because of me, because I'm telling you to change. Right. Because the Word is telling you. God is saying, I'm angry because of greed in your life. I'm angry. And if you do not change, wrath is coming your way. Yeah. And it's up to you. Right? God gave us his word so we can find comfort, 
It says, obviously we know that in Timothy said that the word of God is to teach us, rebuke us, and correct us, and to train us into righteousness, because we are not righteous. But we got to be trained to be righteous uh, yes, women. Yeah. So I really love this. It's such a powerful one. It really just help you throughout the day. To really just pray. God, just remove anything that contaminates my body. Please, yeah. Lord. Yeah. Remove anything that contaminates my spirit. Help yeah. me be a woman of great faith. Amen. A woman that reveres you, God. Yeah. Even if it's challenging, remove greed from my heart. Or reveal areas that um, mm. uh, have a lot of greed in. Yeah. Yeah. Right, I think for us as the East women, it's so amazing under MJ's and Sean's leadership, we got a 24 hours fasting. Yeah, Come on. 24 hours fasting that started this morning. Amen. So all the women of the East are on low food. Oh, no no food. We are radiant. Amen. Right? And when, when MJ said the fast starts yesterday, I had to send her a check. Since you're sure it starts this morning because we have midweek and then you you lose more energy and you're not on you know you're not eating but let me tell you sister I don't know maybe Shireen and the rest can testify in their uh, groups later on I'm not hungry I'm not hungry let me tell you I'm not hungry God is showing us something we are indulging we are overindulging. Mm-hmm. We are comparing ourselves with the world. Yeah. Today, I saw my colleagues have lunch. I'm like, oh, I wish I can be eating right now. But then I was like, why? Because they are eating. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not hungry. My body yeah. doesn't need food. Yeah. But because I see them, I want to be with them. Yeah. And then I think this is such a powerful time for us to really just break the threshold of 6 o'clock, 6 to 6, and really just go the next uh, day. And I really believe that because of that, I really believe that because of the fast and the day before, God has really, really revealed to me this greed area of my own, my own heart. And you know why it's important? Because greed affects us. Right? Greed affects, Joe talks about how the greed affects relationships relationship we can have with one another because we start envying each other, we start looking at each other, comparing, and we're not comparing ourselves with Christ anymore, but we compare ourselves with each other. And if you are married, you know, greed in the sense of uh, money is the number one reason for people to get divorced, it's an issue on money, to to fight about money and and resources and all these things. So it damages relationship, it damages relationship with your children. If you have yeah. children, you don't discipline what they're spending. You're not teaching them. Not everything that you see with your eyes, you need to have. we got to really, as, as mom, as parents, really discipline our kids not to rise or raise themselves in this, in this world of greed to become greedy children. Yeah. Right? So even if you have a child or something, just check his, his eating pattern. I'm doing it with my, my boys as well. How often do they ask for food? Are they actually hungry? And really teach them to get rid of greed. Uh, it will help them a lot. It also talks about that it makes us unfruitful. Right? Greed causes us to be unfruitful. Why? Why, why does greed cause us to be unfruitful? Because it brings worries of life. We pursue money. We pursue career. We pursue long hours. We pursue jobs that will take us away from our commitment. We pursue everything that gives us wealth and money. That will make us unfruitful because we're very tired. All our energy is in pursuing, chasing after the wind, 
and it doesn't give us happiness. Money never, or possession never gives you happiness. Only a relationship with God will give you that happiness. And you can see that in Mark chapter 4, verse 18 to 19. It talks about this. It, it chokes everything that God is giving us, right? And then you've got the last part about it kills us spiritually. <coughs> All right? Deuteronomy verse 30, chapter 32, verse 15 says, So I get your emotional need. We need to have our emotional needs met by God. Wow. So these are the consequences that we do not change. It will damage our relationship with each other. It makes us unfruitful and it kills our spiritually. I think practically, just to come to uh, closure, how do we put grief to death? I'm pretty sure everyone wants to know what you're going to do when you leave here. So the practical that Joe is given, I think, is an amazing practical. He said, sit down with someone who knows you very well. <laughs> sit down with someone that knows you very well. Most of the time it's your discipling your disciple partner or your husband. Sit down with someone that knows you very well and let them tell you areas of grief that they see in your life. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. He says, just tell me, where do you see grief? Just have that heart that you want to make sure that you, you don't have a blind eye. That you're not blindsided when it comes to greeting your own life. And God will reveal that uh, to you. And then the second, um, and because this is very important, is that we need to be open about our finances and our spending habits and our eating habits. Mm, yeah. right? And then also, uh, yeah, I think that's one of the, the practicals that he gave. Mm. And the concluding, sister, is just... Make sure that for tonight, you don't give uh, the devil the opportunity to steal the message from your heart. Really just pray for God to reveal areas of greed in your heart. And remember that greed can cost you your salvation. That was powerful. Thank you so much for sharing uh, so powerfully from your heart, from your life. Yeah. Very practical. Okay. So, Good. a shift, right? So I'm going to speak on, about man. evangelism. Come on, sis. And in a sense, it ties in with greed. You know, because when we're greedy, we're not really um, evangelistic. So I'm just going to share... Um, from my heart uh, tonight and, and just some practice. It's going to be very practical. And I'm going to start with um, an excerpt from a book. In his book, No Wonder They Call Him the Savior, Max Lucado tells the sad story of Judith Bucknell. She lived in Coconut Grove, a stylish area of Miami where many lonely people pretend to be happy. Who is going to love Judith Bucknell? In the summer of 1980, a Miami Herald reporter captured a story that left the entire Gold Coast breathless. It was the story of Judith Bucknell, attractive, young, successful, and dead. Judith Bucknell was homicide number 106 that year. She was killed on a steamy June 9th evening, age 38, weight 109 pounds, stabbed seven times strangled. Were it not for her diary, Judith would not have been Judy would have been just another number among many homicide victims for that year. The correspondent made this comment about her writings. In her diaries, Judy created a character and a voice. The character is herself, wistful, struggling, weary. The voice is yearning, 
Judy Bucknell has failed to connect. Age 38, many lovers, much love offered, none returned. Her struggles were unusual. She worried about getting old, getting fat, getting married, getting pregnant, and getting by. Her diary was replete with entries such as the following. Why are the men with the flowers and champagne and music? Why are the men who call and ask for a genuine, actual date? Why are the men who would like to share more than my bed, my booze, my, my food? I would like to have in my life, once before I pass through my life, the kind of sexual relationship which is part of a loving relationship. She never did. Judy was not a prostitute. She was not on drugs. She was not on benefits. She never went to jail. She was not a social outcast. She was respectable. She jogged. She hosted parties. She wore designer clothes. And she was very lonely. She worried about the same things women her age worry about. Getting old, getting fat, getting married, getting by. She was a successful secretary, but unsuccessful in life. She wrote, I see people together, and I'm so jealous. I want to throw up. What about me? What about me? Though surrounded by people, she was on an island. Though she had many acquaintances, she had few friends. Though she had many lovers, 59 in 56 months, she had little love. Who is going to love Judy Bucknell? The diary continues. I feel so old, unloved, unwanted, abandoned, used up. I want to cry and sleep forever. A clear message came from her aching wards that her body died on June 9th from the wounds of a knife. Her heart had died long before from loneliness. I'm alone. I want to share something with somebody. From the book, No Wonder, they call him the Savior. It's very, very, very moving. And there are countless of Judy's in London. Women who resort to smoking, alcohol, men, drugs, work, gym, to numb the pain. There were about 240 suicides on the tracks last year alone in Great Britain. That's on the tracks. Not counting those who hang themselves, shot themselves, or overdose. So... We're speaking about evangelism, and this really um, just brings a sober look at what the world is like, and about Judith Bucknell, that on the outside looked like she had it all together. I mean, I come from Miami. Coconut Grove is where you live if you're wealthy and if you have a nice house and nice income, and this woman was so, so lonely. And um, I chose to read that because it really brings us uh, to a sober judgment of where women are at. So many Judith Bucknells out there. Mm -hmm. So why do we evangelize? We do it for God's sake. Because it is God's heart. In Luke 13, verse 34, Jesus says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those who sent those sent to you, how often have I longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, and you were not willing. And here we see Jesus saying, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. Jesus is weeping. And that is the, the heart of God, that he weeps for women like Judith Bucknell and other names that 
we even have on our phones. We even work with, we go to the gym with, we go to school with many women who are Judith. He patiently guides and encourages and prompts people. He continues to work in people's lives to bring them to a point where they will listen to him. And because he doesn't want anybody to perish, he wants everyone to come to repentance like 2 Peter 3.9 says. So we do it for God because it's God's heart to love people and to evangelize people. Now sometimes I think it would be so much easier for God when we become disciples we get baptized, and then we just, he just takes us up to heaven. Like, yeah. man, that would be so, re- such a relief. Like, why stay here and struggle and, you know, and go through so much? But he leaves us here so that we could, so that we could evangelize, so that we could love people like Judith. So we do it for God. That's number one. That's my point number one. It's very short. We do it for, for the lost. That's number two. We do it for the lost. Why? Because the lost are harassed and helpless. Because there are so many women that are harassed and helpless, just like Judith Bucknell. How we need to remember that God says that he's given us the message of reconciliation, and it is up to us to reconcile all these women to God. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. Like he says in 2 Corinthians 5, 19-20. Paul's heart in Romans 9 verses 1 and 3. He says, I speak the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience confirms it through the Holy Spirit. I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart, for I could wish that I myself were cursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my people, those of my own race. I don't have that heart. That's the heart of, of Paul. He says, I wish I was cursed. I think the only people that I, that I genuinely could say that I feel that for is for my children. Like, I literally, I wish I could be cursed myself if, if it would mean Dylan becoming a disciple. Or, or, you know, my mom, and praise God, she's a disciple. But I don't have that heart for other people. And God, God wants us to have that heart. That's the heart of, that's the heart of, of, um, of Paul. That he says he wishes that he would be cursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of his people, those of his own race. And that's the, that needs to be our prayer. That needs to be my prayer. And lastly, we need to do it for our own sake. We need to evangelize for our own sake. Not only because it's God's heart, not only because people are lost, but because Evangelism keeps us saved. It trains us. It disciples our hearts. A lot of times I think, you know, if God would put a, uh, a sticker on people's foreheads, like open, we wouldn't share our faith with anybody else. We would just go straight to the person who's open, but God doesn't do that. You know, and he knows people's hearts. He wants us to reach out to everybody. Yes. And that, that disciples our hearts. For yeah. Jesus, you know, with the Samaritan, it was awkward. Mm-hmm. It was inconvenient. He was tired. He was hungry. I'm sure he was hot. He was thirsty. Mm-hmm. It was not an opportune time. But Jesus made a point to share his faith with a Samaritan woman. Yeah. You know, for me, after 32 years of uh, being a disciple, sometimes it flows for me to, to share my faith, but a lot of times I just have to deny myself yes. because a lot of times, what is it? Is it fear? Sometimes it's fear that stops us from sharing our faith. Yes. Sometimes it's you know, just fear being a coward 
not not having the, the, the guts to, to do it, thinking what would people what are people gonna think? Yeah. And a lot of the times it's just selfishness. Like, you know, I have places to go, I'm running I'm I'm running late or I you know, I have something to, to finish. So it's it's really just laziness, selfishness, pride, fear, cowardice. And evangelism teaches us to to have unconditional love, uh, prayer, patience perseverance. In Philippians 6, I like how the um, NIV 94 says that Paul exhorts the disciples. He says, I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith in Philemon 6, so that you may be, so that you would have a full understanding of every good thing you have in Christ. And that is so true, because when we share our faith, even when we get bad reactions from people, we're like, man, that person really needs God, and we're just grateful yes. that that we are disciples. Yeah. Yeah. So it really shows us. It really shows us that um, all the great things that we have in Christ, when we share our faith and when we study the Bible with people, so we realize what God has cleansed us of yeah. from, and where He was, has called us out of. Yeah. And I just want us to to. I just want to share some practicals of things that um, have helped me. That that. Um, have helped me in, in my evangelism. Yeah. And uh, number one is that I try to make evangelism a lifestyle. Yeah. I, I like to, you know, once in a while I say, oh, let's go out as a Bible talk and share. That's great. But the most effective evangelism is when you make yeah. it your lifestyle. Yeah. Yeah. You go to the yeah. gym, you share. Like, um, I, my plan was to share with um, some sisters. We have planned it on Sunday because the truth is I haven't been really... I'm doing great in my evangelism, and I shared it openly with the sisters on, on Sunday, and I said, you know, I was not doing so well the other day, and I was at home, and I was not feeling well, and the only thing that really helped me to get out of what I call a deep funk was just getting out, so I went out, and I shared my faith um, with, uh, with a lady at uh, Tortilla. And, you know, she wasn't, like, super open or anything. She, she gave me her number, and we had a great chat. But I just felt so much better after that, yeah, physically, spiritually, emotionally, in any way, in every way. Because yeah. I was telling the sisters, you know, I just felt flat. I just felt flat spiritually. Mm-hmm. I, felt, I told them I felt flat in every way except here. <laughs> I said I feel flat emotionally. I feel flat, f- flat physically, uh, spiritually. I just don't feel flat in my stomach. <laughs> but every way, anywhere, any other way, I felt flat. And it just helped me. So I just have a list of practicals here. Share your faith every day with at least one new person. Amen. You know, if, if you just share with one person every day think about it 365 days do you think that in 365 people that you share your faith with you're gonna find one person that will become a disciple absolutely but the issue is that we don't usually do it Mm -hmm. and you know that uh, somebody once said that the most radical thing that you can do is just be consistent so it's not you know sometimes like i'm going to share my faith with 20 people you know with 30 with 50 it doesn't really have to be that. If you could just share your faith, you know, I mean, if you can do it, amen. But if you could just share your faith with one new person every day, at the end of the week, you have at least seven people that you've shared your faith with. One person, you know, will be willing to come to a Bible talk or, you know, or come to church or, or just have a coffee with you. Another thing is that we, don't, we need to not share our faith for a yes or a guest. 
A lot of times we share our faith because we expect a yes. And the truth is, most times we're not going to get a yes. I share my faith before I came here, like with six ladies, um, somewhere like, no, not for me. But my friend would probably be uh, be um, interested, and, and she kept the card. The other one said, no, no, I'm sorry. I already have my church, and I don't take from anybody else. I'm like, okay. And, you know, some other people I share with the, with the receptionist here. But a lot of times we just share because we want that yes. Oh, yes, I got somebody. Or we want a guest. But that's not why we need to share our faith. We don't need to share our faith because we want a yes or we want a guest. Yes, it's great to have a yes. It's great to have a guest. But we share our faith because because it is it is good for us, because God wants them to, because the truth is most people are not going to say yes. And that is that is the truth, right? That is that is a fact. Now we need to get out of our comfort zone. Get your earphones out. If you're, you know, one of those sisters that wears your earphones every time when you're on the tube. Now, from, you know, from time to time, it's okay, you know, but if you're every day wearing your headphones, chances are you're going to miss so many opportunities because you're just in your own world. And I share my faith sometimes with people that have their headphones. And I'm like, excuse me, excuse me. And that is, that is uh, being, you know, like, that's not passive. And, And they're like... Yeah, excuse me, like, what, what do you need? And sometimes I've had great chats with people yeah. like that. They're so grateful because they don't have anything else to do. I mean, if you think about it, people are on the tube and they're not doing anything except reading a book or being on their phone or playing, you know, playing Candy Crush, whatever, and, and just, doing, just doing nothing, right? So some people, they just want to be entertained. But it, it's, it's so nice to have a, a nice chat with somebody, right? So start a conversation with anyone. I do it about their children about their accent, about the book they're reading. I just try to find something in common with the person. And after I meet the person, I text them soon after I meet them. I try to do it the same day, because if I don't, I forget. That's one. And, and um, they probably won't forget you, because you're that one person that share with them. But if we are sharing our faith every day, you forget people. So I usually write down their name, and something that, that reminds me of them, be it, oh, she's Portuguese, or she has two children, or she lives here, I met her on the northern line, uh, just something that gives me um, an, an, an idea of who, who the person is so that I can remember the next time. And I usually go to WhatsApp. I ask them, do you have WhatsApp? Because I like WhatsApp because a lot of times you have a picture of the person. Yeah. So then if the person has a picture, I usually just take that picture and, and put it on my phone as a reference of who the person is. Mm -hmm. So you make it a a personal contact. So Judy, and you have a picture of what Judy looks like, because if you share with 365 people a year, you're not going to remember all of them. Like a few months ago, um, I was at Porchester, and somebody said, "Um, who invited you? And she said, Maria. So they brought the person to me, and I was like, hi. And I was like, oh, who brought you? And she's like, you invited me. And I was like, I'm so sorry. (laughs) <laughs> it was really embarrassing but I told her you know what I'm really sorry but the truth is that I, I invite so many people on, on public transport and I really didn't I didn't even follow up with her like I gave her my contact and she just happened to come so that was that was really great but you know you just tell them you don't, you don't I mean you don't have to pretend that you oh yeah I remember now like I really didn't remember and I said I'm really sorry but this is what I this is what I do all the time <laughs> yeah so um, encourage them through texts. 
um, with scriptures. Mm-hmm. Now, um, you know, I ask people, because some people, they don't like it. But some people say, you know, do you mind if I, if I send you encouraging texts? Um, not necessarily right there, but as we are, we are um, building a relationship, I ask them if they, if they mind. And you will be amazed at how many people just love it. Mm-hmm. I, there's a lady, I, and I used to do it also on Facebook, and there's a lady who... Um, I share my faith with her long before, and, and I, I was like, I don't know if it was on a Facebook fast or something, but she's like, she sent me a, t- a, a message, Maria, are you okay? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, she goes, it's been a while that you haven't, you haven't posted a scripture. And, and, and I was wondering, I was like, oh yeah, you know, I haven't been on Facebook for a while. She's like, oh, because I love it. I look forward to reading that scripture, you know? Sometimes that's all the Bible those people are going are gonna to read, that scripture that you send them. I'm going to share with you just a, 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 you know, I've had bad responses I had really a bad response of somebody who told me, you know, like, can you stop? I'm not interested. So I was like, okay. And she asked me to delete her number. And I think I deleted it. But on iPhone, for some reason, it, it surfaces like um, yeah, old yeah. contacts. It, it's not on your memory, but it's on the, like, on the, on the, on the hard drive of the, of the phone. And she says, I told you already. Wow. And if you don't stop, I'm going to call the police. <laughs> and I was like, okay. I, I, I let go. I won't do it. But that was one out of thousands. Yeah. Most people, they, they love it. Some people don't. You say, oh, but I feel so discouraged because they don't, they don't ever respond. They don't ever respond. Don't worry. You just yeah. keep doing it once in a while because people do appreciate it. Yeah. I have this, this um, um, young lady that I share my faith with some, uh, a few years ago. And this is the, the message that she sent me. Hi, Maria. Thank you for your message. The truth is I am feeling very lost at the moment. As much as I am a Christian, I feel like God isn't in my life. I hope you're having a good weekend. Now, I share my faith with her years ago, and she's come to church a couple of times. She always has an excuse. She says she's a Christian, but I always, always keep in touch with her. I'm not going to tell you that I text her every day, not even every month, but once in a while I text her, and I make sure that I, I text her on her birthday, for Christmas, just special occasions, and once in a while I just invite her to something, to something um, just social that we have. And... Uh, her name is Anisha. Anisha knows that I will be there if she needs me. Wow. Now, don't, don't just text on a Saturday about Sunday yeah. or Wednesday yeah. about, about Bible talk. Yeah. I've done that, you know, and it's, it's, people don't, don't feel appreciated. They don't feel loved. They know, okay, here she goes again. I know what this text is going to It's like Maria. I know what this one is going to be a lot about. It's about Bible talk, yeah. life discussion, or, or church. No. People don't appreciate that. I wouldn't appreciate it either, right? So we need to we need to we need to follow up just about life. I usually um, spend time, you know, just speaking to people and, and asking them what they're, you know, if they're married, if they have children, what they're studying. And I say, how is it going? How is you know how is your mom's uh, health? How are your children? How did it go with your exam? How is it with your job interviews? I'm praying for you. People, you will be amazed how impacted people are if you tell them I'm praying for you. Pray for the people that you reach out to. I have a list of the people that I'm reaching out to. I don't pray for all my contacts, but I do pray for specific people that I'm that I'm reaching out to. Um, Unadulterated evangelism. Jesus reached out to fishermen, men, women, 
tax collectors that were, that were hated, um, doctors, prostitutes, rich, poor, young, old, mm. sick, they all need to be saved. Wow. Amen. So on my list, I have a solicitor, two solicitors, I have two secondary school uh, girls, teens, I have a nurse, I have an engineer, I have a mother of seven, I have a few religious people, I have a few flat-out pagans, I have some young, you know, I have some old, I have some neighbors, I have some old neighbors from where I used to live, um, just all kinds of people. Jesus was unadulterated. I know that our, our um, focus is campus, and a lot of times we're like, well, I just need to share my faith with campus. No, we share our faith with everybody. Yeah, yeah. We make an effort, you know, like yeah. I make an effort... Obviously, if you can't tell, I'm not a campus student. <laughs> um, but I, sometimes I go to... Michael says, yeah, Maria, she still looks 16, like she's a campus student. But I, I, go, out, I, I go to Middlesex from time to time to share my faith with, with those young um, students. But I try to share my faith with anybody. So I was, I was um, at... Top shop is it called? Yeah. yeah, with Kiara. So I share my faith with this gentleman at the at the fitting rooms. We had such a great conversation for like twenty minutes. Wow. We exchanged numbers. He's coming. He said he's coming to Bible talk tomorrow, and he's really looking forward to it. He's from Sri Lanka. Wow. Cool. Um, so be be a friend. So I I usually have daily. Some of my friends that I'm reaching out to, I have daily contact with. So it's not that Saturday for Sunday or Wednesday for Thursday. Hi, how are you doing? How's your day? How did it go with your interview? You know, how's, how's your, how was your exam or whatever? Uh, spend time with them. Now, we're not going to spend time with everybody. There's not enough time for that, to spend time with everybody. But try to spend time with somebody um, uh, once a week. Like, I'm going to spend time with, with uh, somebody who, who's not a disciple once a week. Have to do something fun. Do a live talk. Some people are not open to studying the Bible yet, but when if you're willing to do a live talk, like share your life with them, they will open up and share their life. And maybe that would, that would really give them a, a, a glimpse of how they need to see God. Something that I did, I shared... I, I, most of you are familiar with WhatsApp, which is amazing. I love WhatsApp. When I became a disciple 32 years ago, I was 16. I, was, I used to send, I used to go to a payphone wow. to do my follow-up. Yeah. And wow. when I used to live, when I used to live, when I used to live with disciples, you know, we didn't have. Um, mobiles. So it was like six sisters living in the same flat, and we used to take turns. Wow. You, were, you, you, you did that, um, Anita, right? So you take turns. So it's my turn to do follow up, and then the next one, and the next wow. one, and so forth. Come but we on. have it so easy yeah, nowadays. Wow. WhatsApp is so much easier, so so um, <laughs> so effective, right? Come on. Um, <laughs> we need to become such good friends. With people that by the time they get to a light and darkness study, there's a natural openness. Amen. And we know that, that we're doing live talks before we, we even start studying the Bible with people. Yeah. Something that I do, I don't do it right away. And, you know, it depends. Like if I meet somebody who's Latino, I go for it because I know our culture is very open. If I meet yeah. somebody who's, who's a, you know, British or French or whatever, I... I keep in mind their culture. But if it's somebody who's Latino, I, I exchange uh, Facebook contacts already. So it is a way for them to see into my life. Yeah. They might not be able to come to, like a lot of people 
all over tell me Maria your church is amazing mm. you always have something going yeah. they see mercy they see um, showcases yeah. they see um, conferences they see farewell parties they say they yeah. see baby showers they see everything they're like wow your church is happening that's yeah. the place to be yeah. so it gives them it gives them a, 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 yeah. an eyes into your life yeah. um, Facebook does that now um, I also have here pray for people you're reaching out to by name yeah. it makes such a difference because when yeah. when you pray for people it, it happens with disciples also when I pray for disciples I feel close to those disciples yeah. there's a connection when you pray for these people you feel connected to them and you feel for them um, you, you want to love uh, these people not just want a yes and want a guest yeah. And um, fast for your own heart, fast for your friends' hearts, those studying and those you're building a friendship with. You know, some people, they're not willing to come to church right away, but they're open to a friendship. And I say, if somebody's open to a friendship and they know what I'm all about, I say, they're open. Now, they might not be open to study the Bible right away, but they're open because they know what I'm all about. They know that I've been a missionary, that I left my country, that that this is what I do, that this is what I love to do, that that um, this is my life, and they still want to be my friend, that's an open person. (laughs) Ask questions in the follow-up. You know, how's your school, family, health, exams, holidays? And um, I have last here, evangelism, you know, sharing our faith is a mark of a disciple. If we're not evangelistic, we're not a disciple. That's a hard one, because um, sometimes we, we, we are not. I go through periods in my... Uh, as a disciple that I'm not evangelistic and I know that I'm not doing well when I do that because when I'm walking close to God I want to share my faith we gotta see it as a sin we have to have a conviction about it now the most radical thing that we can do is be consistent if I if I share with you guys that Jeremiah um do you guys know what his nickname was Mm -hmm. according to scholars Jeremiah got a nickname the weeping prophet. Why? Because he preached for 40 years and nobody turned to God. 40 years! That's a long time. Now, if I, who has been a Christian for 32 years, if I told you that in my 32 years, all I was able to do was to reach out to your mom, study the Bible with her, and for her to become a disciple... Would you say it was worth it? Absolutely. You're like, that's all you do, Maria. Please. 32 years. That's how we need to feel about people. No, I became a disciple when I was 16. I had to move out of my house when I was was 19 because my mom was giving me a really hard time. Before I was 18, my mom would tell me, um, you cannot go to church. I would have to go to the bathroom and just pray and cry. I was so angry, so upset, so disappointed, so heartbroken. And it was in Miami. We didn't have the transportation system that we do have here in London. And I said, when I'm 18, I'm going to move out. But things calmed down, and then they started up again when I was 19. So I moved out of my mom's house. My mom didn't visit me, didn't call me for seven years or so. And she was not happy when I decided that I was going to become a missionary to go to Curacao, uh, to to, the Dominican Republic, and then to Curacao. Then she really flipped, because at least Dominican Republic is where I'm from, and I have family. She's like, you're crazy. It took 12 years for my mom to study the Bible and become a disciple. But she did. 12 years. So if you've been a disciple for three years, two years, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, 
there's, there's hope. I know yes. people who, who have been disciples for 26 years and finally their parents become disciples. Amen. So after 12 years, my mom became a disciple. So don't give up on your, on your loved ones. Remember, don't share for a yes or a guest. Evangelism take obe- takes obedience, but follow-up takes love. If you want to evangelize, you're like, oh, I need to evangelize, I need to be obedient. And you do it, and it's a done deal after you share your faith, and you feel like, okay. But it takes love to follow up. And I know that I, um, last year I really fell into a, a, a trap of um, just people-pleasing or doing things out of duty. I've been a disciple for 32 years, so this is what I do. I have a quiet time. I share my faith. I go to church. I mean, that's what I've been doing for 32 years. 16, not doing it, 32 years doing it, it comes natural to me in a sense, like second nature. But I had lost the heart. I was just doing it um, to tick a box or to appease my conscience. So for, you know, just in case somebody asks me, I can say I share my faith, I can say I, share, I, I had a quiet time, but I, I was not doing it, you know, from the heart. And I really had to repent of that. And it's not something that I, I repent and glory is something that I always have to go back to because I, can fa- I fall into it a lot. And um, just for us to remember that, yeah, to evangelize, I need to be obedient. But for me to follow up, I need to really love. So I just want to leave you with, with uh, those practicals and just for us to, to, to do it and, and um, to give the, the, the glory to God and, and just help each other be accountable. So let's be women who evangelize, not for the yes, not for the guest, but for the heart. Love you. We would like to thank you for listening to that episode of the podcast. If you would like video versions of these episodes, whether it's sermon highlights or interviews, feel free to check us out on our website or view them on our YouTube channel. That's londonchurch.org.uk. That's L-O-N-D-O-N-C-H-U-R-C-H.org.uk. And for all other updates and information, whether it's services, events, or devotionals you can find all that on our website also once again we'd like to thank you for listening and we'll catch you on the next one